0: Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Mary Jane from the Spectacular Spider-Man, and you're listening to Spectacular Radio Podcast.
1: Basic,
0: Tiger, You just
2: take
3: the Otto Octavius was weak. Call me Dr. Octopus. From now on, clear poison to Peter Marker Parker. And Spider-Man, clear <laughs> venom. Green government doesn't take orders from insects. The green goblins swap them
2: into oblivion. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. They're all working together to raise my blood pressure.
1: Tell me there's something better. Go ahead. Try.
2: Welcome back to The Spectacular Radio. I am Zach Joyner, your friendly neighborhood webmaster of spidey-dude.com, and I am honored to introduce the host of the show, Mr. Greg Beshansky. Just got back
4: from Convergence, had a wonderful time. We talked Spec Spidey, Gargoyles, and Young Justice here with Greg Wiseman, Jennifer L. Anderson, and a few people who worked on the shows, who will be back on in our next showing. But for now, I'll introduce my other co-host, Jesse Garrett of The Next Dimension, a DBZ
0: podcast. Hey, folks. How are you guys doing?
4: And Gerard De La Tour, who finally launched Mayday Mondays, a Spider-Girl podcast, which is awesome, so go listen to it, even if you've never read Spider-Girl before. Read Spider-Girl, then go listen to it.
2: Aw, oh, thanks. And yes, and Jesse Garrett, you got an announcement, right? Yes. I oh, you can do. Do on the spot for that. Hey, come <laughs> on.
0: I do. Uh, my lovely girlfriend April has decided to become my lovely fiance, April. And at some indeterminate point in the future, she will become my wife. Congratulations.
5: Thank you, guys. I am super excited. One of my my friends (laughs) is having a real wedding this time.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We need to have Donovan and Stella on
3: sometime. Uh, Yeah. Okay.
4: (laughs) Okay. And um, I understand we actually have a voicemail this month.
2: Yes, we do. We have a voicemail from a guy named Bertoni. Um, so I'm going to play it right about now.
3: Hello, men call me Bertoni. Women call me Austin. Um This is a voicemail for a Spectacular Radio. I've been emptying out my old apartment um, for most of the day. It is now 57 in the morning in Florida. I'm and I've been listening to Spectacular Radio. Uh, the second episode. I listened to the first episode when it first dropped, and then. They backlogged. Shame on me. So, as I'm yes, covering shame up, on you, you know, cleaning out old crevices of this old apartment, I'm listening to the, you know, soothing voices of Gerard Tour, Jesse Garrett, Reg, Reg XB, whose last name I can't pronounce, and Jones. <laughs> and uh, listening to them all the way into the drive back to Tampa. And I hear you guys mention a voicemail. I'm like, I should totally call a voicemail because one of my ambitions has been to talk to uh, the four of you guys sometime. I'm a really big fan. I hope to one day get the honor <laughs> to meet some of you. Um, But spectacular radio, really, really good job. Um And the talk about 2007. Well, hold on, though. The show premiered in 2008, so scratch that. But, yes, the, all the talk about, like, 2008 and the 2007 era Uh made me nostalgic for uh just, you know, what it was like watching the show when it first aired. And I got a little sad thinking about what the show could have been, had it been canceled. The whole Midtown High thing, um, you guys were talking about that in the episode, how they made it a magnet school, so how they would explain why everyone's going to school in Manhattan. Over the years, so many people have tried to explain that. At one point in Untold Tales of Spider-Man, they said that it was called Midtown, not because it was in Midtown, but for another reason that I can't remember, but that the school was actually in Queens. Uh, as good of an explanation as any. I, I don't think, I have to look at Amazing Fantasy 15 again, but I'm 80% sure that Queens is not mentioned in that first story, even though Midtown High is, and that it was just assumed that Spider-Man was living closer to the city. Um, and as canon, you know, got stronger and everything, you know, things were established, like the fact that he lives in Queens and um, that was established after Midtown High. But I'm joining on and on. We're here to talk about the show, your show, and it's a good show. And um, I've enjoyed listening to it while I'm moving. Keep up the good work. And I'm going to end this voicemail early because you don't want to hear someone drone on and on and on. It's time to get on with the show. See you later.
4: You know, Betty Brant plays a big part in this episode. He's Mr. Betty Brant. I kind of wish we had him on.
3: <laughs>
4: Yay. Uh-oh, yes, someone cool. just broke in. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Give me all your money. The voicemail was a distraction, you know, spectacular boys. Ladies
4: and gentlemen okay. at home, Mr. Joshua Lepin Bertoni.
3: Oh, uh, yes, yes. Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, <clears> you well, know, glad to have you. Josh. Um, As I mentioned in my voicemail, which was totally, you know, not planned to coincide with this appearance, Um, and and that's not sarcasm, it totally was not planned that way, Um, it was just very fortuitous. I've always uh, dreamed of podcasting about Spider-Man with you guys, and I'm glad (laughs) to finally get that chance. Oh my god. (laughs) This is very masturbatory. Yes, yes, it is, but in a good way.
5: <laughs> Indeed. But is there a bad kind? Of, I,
4: mean, I, 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 I really
0: oh,
5: don't, I I really don't say, want to ask that up. question on the Well, show. I mean, what I, if I, you're <laughs> Edward Scissorhands?
4: <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> well, then it's not yeah. masturbation, it's castration. <laughs> All
4: right, okay, let's move on. We've got emails. This is a long one. It comes from Alex Evangelini. That's what she said before the bed broke.
2: <laughs> okay. Posting it right here. Zach, read the book. All right. Dear Spec Radio, another great episode. Though I missed Gerard also adding his thoughts into the mix. He missed you, Gerard. Oh, that's a lie. I know it. (laughs) Hopefully, in upcoming episodes, we'll have the full panel around. Plus one. Ha! I added that last part in. (laughs) Yes, I returned from the netherworld of the Force. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> in regards to the lizard, I feel he is at best an overrated character and at worst pretty much useless in one note. Decent mm-hmm. enough to roll out in yeah, I no, this is like gonna make Jesse rage. Decent enough to roll out in moderation for a cool fight, but honestly he's more useful as just as a supporting character who's Spider-Man's scientist friend.
5: Uh, oh. uh, mm. We want to tackle that right now? What? Because cause cause honestly, like, that got a little ridiculous at times. Where it's just like, the guy is not an omnidisciplinary scientist. Well, what was he introduces a biologist, and Peter's, yes. like, going to him for, like, uh, you know, th- these electronics don't work, Dr. Connors. Can you help me? He's like, no, I'm a biologist, you, you dumb idiot. <laughs> like,
2: why <laughs> would I know that well, you're that's oh, that's, oh,
5: that's, all,
4: scientists, all scientists in comics can do everything. Don't you know that? <laughs> Doctor I, I hooked science. up my iPhone to
3: my to my computer and my photos aren't syncing. Did you restore the phone to its factory settings? No. Can you zap <laughs> it with the neogenic recombinator? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: However, getting back to the email. However, I've liked him in media adaptations such as this one because apart from his cool visuals and power set, media adaptations are starting off with a blank slate, and there is nothing wrong with the lizard the first time you see him. It's all the times after that which are problematic as things get repetitive or become... Lizard brain! Nom nom. (laughs) All right, anyway. (laughs) Personally, apart from the first Ditko and Romita lizard stories, the only ones he's liked have been Torment, which is crap but a guilty pleasure of his, and the first Mr. and Mrs. Spider-Man story DeFalco did in Amazing Spider-Man Family. Regardless, Regardless the way this show used Kurt Connors and his family has been great up until this episode and will continue to be so. If nothing else, it's a clever way of working Empire State University into the series, despite Peter himself not yet being able to attend it. On a quick note, the lizard was both in the 1960s and 1980s Spider-Man cartoons, and but not the Amazing Friends show to his knowledge. In the latter, he released a bunch of reptiles from a zoo, and in the former, it was a pretty direct adaptation of the original Ditko story. Well, that's all for now, but he looks forward to our dual coverage of Episode 4, where things get shocking. I'm so, so sorry. He But he couldn't resist. Regards, Alex. P.S. I doubt the show had nothing to do in, with inspiring Shed, because that would mean the people behind Shed were actually looking at something which understood Spider-Man, which, which they clearly hadn't. P.S. I'm still bitter about it, and will never not be.
5: <laughs> we all are. We all are.
2: I I think we all are pretty bitter about Shed.
5: Yes, my bitterness managed to make it into printed words.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, uh, I, I think you gave it a two out of two middle fingers.
5: <laughs>
2: no, no, that was Omit. No, that's right. That was the next week, or the next story.
3: Right. Yeah, that was awful. I think that, I, no, I think that was the same day, wasn't it? Wasn't it like... No, 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 Omit was you're, much you're later like, Yeah, you're thinking of Origin of the Species and Omit. They came out oh, the same day. Yeah. Yeah, that's But right. I will agree with him. I tend to like the lizard more in adaptations when he
4: first appears. I mean, yeah, the first couple of lizard stories in the comics were okay, and Night of the Lizard is one of the best episodes in the 90s show, and the lizard episode here is pretty good. So, um, the problem is that he's. Th- there's three stories you can tell with the lizard at most.
3: Right.
2: Even okay. though Jesse just seems to have a love for the character, challenge that
3: accepted. <laughs> I'm going to write <laughs> a lizard. I'm going series, and when I get to 100 issues, you're all going to be very, very sorry. <laughs>
0: and if you want to listen to uh,
3: a, a uh,
2: commentary of the Night of the Lizard, you can go to the Clone Saga Chronicles feed over on iTunes and SpideyDude.com. Butch, plug. And
4: we have a second email coming
3: up from uh, Elfie Owl Girl. Elfie Owl Girl. All right. Is that Big Owl's female counterpart? <laughs> <laughs> the world will never know. I don't know. Okay. All right. oh, wait, okay. wait, wait. wait, did you, did you say probably. Owl Girl or Owl? Owl. Who? Like... Owl. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, got it. That's why, that's why I made the Big Owl joke. Scratch that.
2: <laughs> okay.
3: owl See.
2: Okay. This question is we, for both groups. You guys Jesse, talk about... We lost Jesse.
5: Come back, Jesse.
3: Yeah, we did it's, it's we right oh, it. It's dialing him right now. Zach. it meant did. the world to me, Jesse. He's getting married. <laughs> and, uh, his, his, his fiance uh, said, dude, we're doing this right now. He's like, woman on podcasting. <laughs> 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 No, this is
5: you,
3: you won't let it's me like, podcast with my friends when I want to. This is a deal, Rick. This
5: wedding is off. Who gets okay, married Jesse's, at two forty nine at
3: night? Jesse's like, J- Jesse. We thought you hadn't set a date yet. He's like, we had him, but you know, while you guys were talking, she decided to set it, and it's for right now. <laughs> while you guys were waiting six weeks for
5: Zach to show up, <laughs> we decided to set the date. Planned it. Sent right. out the invitation.
3: Thinking about the lizard eating his son made me realize that life is too oh, short. Oh god, no,
5: Zach disappeared. Oh no, he just got video that, Zach!
1: <laughs> Sorry, folks. Didn't plan on interrupting your regularly scheduled episode of Spectacular Radio, but it wouldn't make much sense otherwise. Hi, I'm Sam Savage, your friendly neighborhood designer and guest editor today. And while attempting to get Jesse back on the line, a huge chunk of the episode was lost in the recording process. Since all that was lost outside of an email reading was part of the recap, I figured we couldn't keep you waiting much longer, and I'll sum up instead for you. Alfie girl, don't worry, your email will be read out again in an upcoming episode, and I hope you enjoy it soon. Anywho, Market Forces. A tricorp truck containing the shocker suit is hijacked by the enforcers for the big man. Peter is asked to meet nice girl Mary Jane Watson, but promptly leaves to go meet with Harry, who, after being insulted by his dad, checks his email and finds that the Bugle wants to pay him. After getting into some confusion at the office, Peter meets Betty Brant for the first time, after Jameson sends her down to bring back Peter to his office. Following this brief interlude, Spider-Man fights the Shocker, losing the battle, and is checked from the Bugle as he is pounded into the trash compactor. Going back to school, Everybody gives him crap as he smells awful. However, Harry forgives him as he heads off to tackle Flint, Marco, and Alex O'Hearn, telling them to inform him when he's still kicking. Peter goes back to the Bugle to pick up a new check, only to realize he's missed another meet with Harry, who isn't happy with him at this point. In between this and that, the shocker is told to take care of our good old pal Spidey. And finally, after being rejected by Betty Brandt for his upcoming formal, Spidey hears some tremors and heads down to fight the Shocker. We now rejoin the gang during one of their favorite gags. You can't escape me, I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! Mr. Jameson's a decent man. Down deep. Can we talking Mariana's trench deep or Dante's ninth circle deep?
4: You can't escape me, I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! Oh,
2: wait, wrong Split show. production. hang on, hang on. Hang on. Hang on, here it is. Get
5: back here, Shocker! Shocker! You can't escape me! I'll chase you to the ends of the earth! Yes!
4: And so Spider-Man chases Shocker to the ends of the earth, which happens to be a movie, an old abandoned theater, and they have a pretty impressive fight scene where... um. In the course of the fight scene, Peter learns a little bit about how, if you're a man, you need to keep your responsibilities while he's kicking the Shocker's ass. So Shocker's left for the cops, and Harry arrives home at the penthouse, where Norman Osborne pretty much tells him to shut the hell up, man up, and stop being a whiny pussy. <laughs> That's what he says.
2: Uh, pretty much. Fair before
4: heading into his office to meet with Hammerhead, where Hammerhead wants to hire Osborn to um, create supervillains for the big man in order to keep Spider-Man distracted. Peter goes home, and he presents his paycheck to Aunt May, and well, even though Aunt May insists he save some money to buy a new camera. And so the episode ends with Peter having to take another bath because he still smells like garbage.
3: Nice. So, no, I think he smells like tom- tomato juice. Oh, right, man. right. No, no, yeah.
4: Jameson told him Told him to try tomato juice, and he's yeah. You're
2: right. You're right.
3: For <laughs> the, the, yeah, the first knocked, time, this recap, I'm right.
2: Yes. <laughs> well, that uh, that was uh, you actually talked about that with the episode with Greg Wiseman, which preceded this
4: episode. Yes, I did. Um, I just spent five days at a convention. I'm I'm still recovering.
2: <laughs> it's okay. There are meetings you can go to there for uh, for recovery. Yes, I need tomato juice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. All right. So um, you should have had a V8.
4: And we're going to start with Jesse, since he's the newbie to the series. What do you think of how they brought Shocker into uh, the series universe?
0: Yeah, so I thought Shocker's introduction was very organic. It wasn't just like, hey, here's a villain. It's kind of built up over time. Now, I don't mind the big change, because I'm not a huge fan of Herman Schultz. I don't think anybody is, really. It's not like he has yeah, a we... development. Oh, we're going to talk about that in a bit.
2: Yeah, I, that 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 was probably the biggest controversy of the series.
0: But go on, no, no, bigger than Lion Raven.
2: Okay, Raven, I'm sorry,
0: <laughs> but uh, I yes. like that they beefed up his powers somewhat, or at least had them shown in different ways, like his his type of force field he had. I thought that was pretty cool. And the Shocker is actually giving him uh, a run for his money. He's giving him a tough fight, which I really hadn't seen. I haven't seen in the comics in forever, and I haven't seen him in any other media put up that much of a fight. Yeah, shocker, what has become kind of a joke
4: in the comic books. I mean, I thought he was pretty tough in the 90s show, though. I do like him there. I mean, it also helps that it's Jim Cummins doing his Negaduck voice.
0: Right. He's so badass, he wears his costume under his prison outfit. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I like the redesign of the costume. It it still screams the, the same character without, I guess, just modernizing it mostly. And just the character of Montana himself, and I think Zach can attest to this, as uh, we're both from regions of the U.S. that get picked on for their accents. Hey, I like that Hey,
2: he, what are you trying to say, man?
0: I like that he's shown to have an accent, but he isn't shown to be inintelligent yes. at all.
2: Right. Well, Spidey kind of picks
4: on it at one point. With that accent, I was thinking Rodeo Clown.
0: <laughs> yeah, and
4: I love that part,
0: too. So uh, Overall, yeah, I, I like him. I like what we've seen him. In his I Probably the best Adaptation to another shocker I've seen. Gerard? Boo on you,
5: Garrett. Boo on you. Yeah, I'm I'm alright with the shocker in this show. I'm sort of ambivalent to him. He's not terrible, but I he didn't he never particularly warmed up to me or I never particularly warmed up to him, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you
2: how would he warm up to you?
5: <sighs> in prison no, I, <laughs> <laughs> with,
2: his, with his suit on over his <laughs> over his jumpsuit.
5: Season 2, we Uh, see him in prison. He's
4: not wearing the suit.
2: Um,
5: I'll say this, though. He's not nearly as memorable as 90s show Shocker, because I just love 90s show Shocker so much. 90s Um,
2: show? And the Shocker? I think we need to do it again. Yes, we do.
5: (laughs) Get back here, Shocker! Shocker! (laughs) Shocker!
2: I love that every
4: time.
5: Yes, it, it, yeah, and
4: part of that is also because of the Negaduck voice that Jim
5: Cummings gave him there. Oh, of course, and like he, he's just so cheesy, but that makes it memorable. It's fun. This version, they try to make him a little too straight, and that sort of to me that sort of kills it, kills it. It makes him sort of one of the blander
3: villains of the show. I think for Tony. Um, what did I think of Shocker? It's, I would have preferred that they didn't make him Montana, but at the same time, I don't have enough strong feelings about Montana or Herman Schultz to get up in arms about it. It's, like, I don't mind things like making Liz Allen Latina, because, you know, who really cares, but...
1: It, oh, dear. You know,
3: like, but there's a part of my brain that, like, you know, like, let's say you made Ox Rhino or something, you know, instead. or It's just... That that kind of stuff bothers me, but not enough to ruin the show or ruin the episode for me. And I thought that he actually had a very distinctive voice and accents.
4: And Zach, you're the Texan. What did you think of Montana as the shocker?
2: Man, I just tell you what. It it just warmed my heart to have somebody from Texas be on this show. I just tell you what, it just it just it just did. I just you know, I don't know why I went to my Jerry Jones voice, but I did. <laughs>
5: it would have been better if
2: he sounded like Boomhauer,
5: though.
2: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, you know what I'm saying? That shark on that man, nice. you didn't have man? Well,
4: um, Montana shopper.
2: I knew a guy that sounded like Boomhauer. Nice. I swear to God. I There was a guy like that Boomhower. worked. <laughs> no, my. There was a...
0: <laughs> Can't go through drive-thrus because they can't understand what he says. <laughs> no. Nice. Oh, to pull oh I'm sorry, Jesse's dead. Oh. Dude, when I get around him it's like Han and Chewie. No one else can understand what he says. I have to translate. <laughs>
2: is it gonna be like like rocket and groot?
0: Yeah.
4: Well um
2: my, yeah, opi- pretty much my
4: opinion on the shocker, I mean, I liked him, he's not my favorite, but I enjoyed him. I mean I enjoy the power set, I like how he's his cult. his job is to hunt down, and murder people for the biggest crime boss in the city. That's what he does, and he's apparently very good at it. He's a Stone Cold professional. It's not personal for him. At the point where he doesn't even seem to hate Spider-Man, all of that comes later. It's just like, okay, I've got a job to do. Got to kill you. <laughs> and as for the change to him being Montana, I mean, I understand why some people would be upset about this, I mean, it's not something I feel the need to fight over, but it it doesn't particularly bother me. I'm not saying I want him to be Montana in the comics or anything like that, but um, at the same time, it's just like, has there
3: ever been a comic story where he appeared with his mask off?
2: Um, In the yeah, 90s, he,
3: he, he's appearing with his mask off, like semi-often now in Superior Pose of Spider-Man. I need to read that book. I need to read that That's book. a
2: great book. Now, I tell you... Uh, that's a very offbeat take on the Shocker. He's very kind of like it's it's played for comedic effect. But uh, in the '90s, I don't know if anybody remembers the story, but uh, when Spider-Man was got bitten by Morbius, the Living Vampire, with his sucker hands, he uh, got vertigo on the and was stuck on the side of a building. And like there was an entire issue devoted. It was drawn by John Romita Jr. and written by Howard Mackey, where the Shocker actually shows up. And for some reason, like the Shocker looked like. Um, Alan Moore's bastard son. <laughs> Except that he was in
0: Shadow the whole time, so you never really
5: saw his face. You just, yeah, saw, yeah, like, like, just like, saw that he had a lot of beard and hair and stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah do really you guys
0: funny. remember that horrible redesign they did for Sensational?
5: No. I we re- don't talk about Sensational. Why okay. not? <laughs> I, you're talking about the later Jenkins Sensational, yeah. not the... Not the not Jenkins the, never
3: wrote Sensational. Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: yes, he did when they re when they relaunched it with that Venom story, and then the second that, 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 that was oh that was
3: spectacular. You're
5: right. Never mind.
0: Wait, yeah. they I redesigned Shocker. Shocker yeah, redesign.
5: yeah, I don't remember that. But anyway, like I was saying,
4: at the same time though, I mean like Shocker was in a few episodes in the '90s, show, and I liked him there, but he's one of the only villains who never had a, a real name or a real face on that show. I mean, there's a scene where, again, the aforementioned he's in prison, and he's wearing a prison uniform <laughs> over his costume. There's a scene where his suit blows up and he jumps out of a water tower still wearing his mask. I mean, he and Rhino are the only ones in that show without real names or identities outside of their... Well,
5: You're saying that um, like a bad thing, though. I'm not, I, like, I like that he's just some anonymous criminal.
4: Um, I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't think... Who he is yes, under the mask is a big deal.
5: See, to me, it's, I'm less annoyed that they turned him into Montana. I'm a little more annoyed by the fact that somebody handed him the suit in a, suitcase, you know, like a briefcase rather than the comics origin, which is that he's a guy who sort of had a little ingenuity and actually built the suit himself. Mm-hmm. And then, what, oh, I'm suddenly forgetting. Did he use it to escape from prison? Yeah, he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, he was in the prison workshop or whatever, and then he put it together himself, then used it to break out. Although Greg recently did say
4: in our last podcast, if it makes everyone happy, you could say Montana's real name is Herman Schultz.
3: All right. Uh, uh, Have you ever seen Montana and Herman Schultz in the same place at the same time? Nope. nope. Montana's, Montana's dead in the comics right now. Right now, yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll see that. He's not a character that they're going to use in the comics. Often, well, and, and, and he fell to his death and there was no body, so, like, if he, he helped, could still be alive, or unless he's the one person that fell to his death and actually stayed dead. <laughs> but um,
4: saw so Wiseman say this in, a, in an interview once, and we'll talk about this more when we get there. He One reason why he felt that changing the Shocker's identity helped him is that it made it more be- believable that he would change the Green Goblin's identity for what's coming later.
5: I guess.
0: I so,
4: so So to set the seeds with the fans. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people did fall for that. <laughs> I have no I mean, idea it... what
0: you're talking about.
5: <laughs> no,
4: no, 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 you don't. Yeah, thanks for the
3: spoiler, Jericho.
4: A <laughs> uh, wise man told
3: it on the first episode. Hey, hey, don't apologize. I never do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so he look... doesn't get that line yet. No, no, that was episode one. That's the that idea, one. Zach. ha, <laughs> ha. It was
5: episode oh, one I, I do get that one. Yeah. He said that more <laughs> than once in the first episode. I remember Greg yeah, yeah, actually he, he criticized that. Because he said it again at the end in a context that made no sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's right. That's I right.
3: never apologize. <laughs> it's like,
2: why are you not apologizing? Like, <laughs> I never apologize, bro. <laughs>
5: oh,
2: broke out.
3: Yeah,
2: nice. And now
4: to bring up When's another... I'm
3: going to give you the look. Nice.
4: We're still a few episodes away from actually seeing the look, but
3: it's it's the big reveal. Yes, it is. They refer to the look, and then like the end of season one, like we get the look. (laughs) And then in season two, like the big like you know storyline is we'll go and give the look again. In what direction will she give it? What will she be wearing when she gives the look? Who will be the recipient of the look? If we would have had the find out more, if you listen
2: to Spectacular Radio, let's go.
4: So, um, but overall, I mean, I like Shocker on this show. He's not my favorite, but I like him. Is that the uh, consensus here? Sure.
2: Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, man, I like me some Shocker. (laughs) I like (laughs) Shocker. We're not, oh, wait. (laughs) Oh, wait. I knew where you were going with that. I think my favorite adaptation
4: of Shocker, though, has got to be the the Spider-Man 2 movie game. He's just so hilarious there.
2: (laughs) Yes. Oh, I forgot about him. Oh. Yeah, he's in the Spider-Man (laughs) 2 video game.
5: Shocker is one of those characters, just like Rhino, who just frequently shows up in video games. I think that's one of the reasons yes. I like the character so much. Yeah,
0: he <laughs> just, he really like just like beating his
4: ass like dozens of times
5: in video games. Player. I mean,
4: he, I mean, you can't he can't just randomly he can't insert his ass green,
0: for three generations
5: now. Yeah,
4: I mean, he, you can't randomly insert Green Goblin or Doc Ock or Venom into just any story. Shocker and Rhino are easy.
5: Mm-hmm. That's what she said. Although uh, <clears throat> you ever played uh, uh Spider-Man X-Men Arcade's Revenge? They stick Shocker in there in a way that's really stupid.
4: I played Spider-Man Enter Electro for the PS1 and Shocker there. Oh, my
5: God.
2: He was the only, like, one of the few that didn't appear in the first game, I remember. Like, him and Electro were, like, two big omissions from the original Spider-Man um, Activision. Game. There were no goblins in any of those games, either. Mm-hmm. Huh. You're right! I just realized You that. are... I, didn't, I never realized that until you said that. Thank you.
5: Frank. Then again, concerning the time period those games came out, it might have been a movie-related thing. That could have been. And anyway, um, yeah.
4: moving on, another character who's introduced in the big way in this
2: episode, Miss Betty Brant Bertoni.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what is everyone looking at me for? Okay. Because
2: you are Mister Anti Bertoni, Betty
3: Brant. <laughs> <laughs> let me point out some. Let me point out some trivia in the most douchiest way that I could by you know yes, by, because, by, wow. by bragging and luring it over you. What would each of you say the biggest difference between Comic Betty and Spectacular Betty is? Because they made one very particular change with her. I know, I know, she, I know. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> okay. Let's all, you know
5: that's all <laughs> I'll No, no, no. Go ahead. go
3: ahead. Her hair's short? She's older. <laughs> She's older. That's like one of those um, often-repeated Spider-Man myths from people that Betty Brand is older than Peter Parker... And I mean, a lot of people know the whole backstory, like, oh, well, she's a high school dropout. Like, we know that. But Stan actually, like, he got bananas for, um, <laughs> like, Marvel fans would literally send him bananas saying, "How dare you, have Peter Parker, date an older woman?" So in the letters pages, for it might have been issue nine or ten of Amazing, I'd have to go back and check. But in letters pages, Stan established that Betty is actually a few months younger than Peter. Um, it Which has is been stupid. <laughs> Why Why is it stupid? Well, uh, how,
5: w- would it be okay for, like, a like a 15-year-old to be working as the secretary for, like, Rupert Murdoch?
3: <laughs> well, but, but, they, but they established in Untold Tales a little more about that, that, like, it was a favor to her mother and that she's the only one who can handle Jonah's temper. But would it be okay for a 15-year-old to fight the rhino? <laughs> yeah, but doesn't that, like, violate every labor law you can think of?
4: It was the sixties, but it's. But I will um, say this in Bertoni. Feel free to disagree with me. I'm pretty sure Stan had originally written her as older. I mean, there was that one line when she calls me Miss Brant, I feel a hundred years old, and he just and Stan just threw that into the letter section. I mean, I don't know.
3: Stan just probably forgot, and there's been two references to Betty being older in the comics that forgot Stan's uh, letter. One of them I don't count because it's a John Byrne story um from chapter one so chapter one's not in continuity but betty like is storming away saying this is all my fault for dating a younger man and in an untold tales of spider-man issue with um, where spider-man teams up with the x-men liz and asks him about the older woman that he's dating and peter doesn't correct her so a lot of people have forgotten about it and like conway wrote like in a, a magazine article that he was always curious about the betty peter age dichotomy Um, But I think that for the purpose of, like, streamlining the universe and, like, you know, setting Betty apart from the other characters, you know, and the other women, um, I I like this take on her being an older woman. I think that it works for the story, although it's – it is really – Go on. It's hard for me to talk about this without getting into future episodes, but it's really weird that, like, she actually, you know, considered at one point, like, yeah, I'll go to this guy's, you know, fall formal – like you know she essentially kind of worn because she's that much old, like that was weird, but it never saw fruition, but I like that they are that like they're they're incorporating that early relationship into this show, albeit in a different way in a way that works for this version of those characters.
4: I don't know if it was weird that she would agree to go so much as she wasn't going to do anything with him. She wouldn't. She probably wasn't wasn't even going to hold his hand. I mean, she was just going to go to okay. I'll make this funny guy look good in front of his friends
3: for an evening. Yeah,
5: but isn't there something mildly skeevy about the fact that she's sort of leaning him on a little bit?
3: Well, <laughs> well that's that not... hey, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come on. She married a guy and didn't stick around for the honeymoon.
4: <laughs> oh, we're going to make so many jokes so when they we get say to how that episode. Old is supposed to be. She's 20, yeah, I know. So the, the, the she's season, four years older than them.
3: Yeah, I'm glad that in season four, like they they adapted the whole like Betty leaving Ned on the honeymoon thing. I was surprised that um the censors let wise men do um all the stuff that they did.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, I'm shocked that Peter got to sleep with her.
3: Well, yeah, but the the episode where um Shoshan became sister son and threw a pie at Mephisto's face, <laughs> best episode <laughs> ever.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I enjoy Betty on the show. I kind of. I think it would be funny if she was the raging bitch that we know and love from the comics or
3: loathe depending upon who you ask, but
4: I yeah, guess we've I, got I guess we've got Sally Avril for that.
3: That is true because I know that um one of the reasons Greg had me on here is like for the you know, the Betty Brandt rants, but I, I gotta be honest. There's really not a like. This is a different enough Betty. Like even the Betty from the '80s Spider-Man animated series, you could do that for. Because, <laughs> because holy, holy darn, you know. Like watch an episode of that show. um <laughs> like, like you know, I could grasp at straws if I had to, but this Betty doesn't like you know. She she's not exactly the super villainous that her you know comic or '80s counterpart is. <laughs>
5: She also doesn't appear to be nearly as racist as the eighties cartoon.
4: <laughs> you mean uh, the sixties cartoon? Yeah, oh, it's right, yeah. right, right, cartoon. A horror,
0: in the window, a horrible creature. <laughs>
3: it's not exactly the Betty voice, but that's like my interpretation of the um of the sixties Betty voice. I'm I'm supposed to do the the Spider Man classics Betty Voice at one point here when inspiration strikes. Yeah.
4: Okay, and moving on. This episode also really begins to introduce us. We met him in the first episode to Jameson, and it even humanizes him a bit when he suggests tomato juice. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, I, I I enjoy Jameson in this episode. I think I think that at this point we really started to feel like that Jamison was starting to get his voice down, like like the voice actor that was portraying him, Darren Norris. When Darren, I mean, yeah, he he's still doing. I mean, honestly, let's let's be frank. I mean, there still is a quite a bit of J.K. Simmons inside of this but you know I, I, I kind of think of I was thinking about that the other day as I was watching it. I was like that's kind of unfair because J.K. Simmons was just basically doing bombastic Stan Lee-isms in real life so I, as much as I love J.K. Simmons in the Spider-Man movies and, and love Mr. Darren here i that's kind of an unfair comparison because I mean they're just doing what they saw on the page in real life. Yeah.
3: You know what I'm saying. And this
4: is definitely a very classic Stanley Jamison. I mean, not really the '90s Jamison that Asner portrayed, and that's okay. I like Asner's Jamison a lot too. But um, Jesse, you were a bit critical of Jamison in the first episode. What did you think of him in this one?
0: I really liked him in this, uh, mainly because, like you're saying, it it humanizes him a little bit. Just this one like throwaway line, use tomato juice, because like you get a whole idea that he, you know, he used to be the same type of reporter. You know, like he, he was in the street doing doing the same thing. I like that. Mm-hmm. And because I think those moments with that, that character in any medium are very, you know, few and far between because he's usually the loudmouth yelling, you know, caricature. So I was like, I saw that and that gave me hope for, you know, wh- what they could possibly do with him in this series because I did have such a lukewarm reception to him in the entire episode. Mm-hmm.
5: I gotta be I gotta be honest, I still found him quite annoying in this one. I, I think I think it's when uh they bring John Jameson into the show is when I warm up to him.
3: Episode Man seven wolf is in here? <laughs>
4: Manwolf isn't but John Jameson is.
3: Um I, I like the moment where like he sends Peter out and like Betty has to come back and get him. Like <laughs> that th- that was a fun moment.
4: That's such a Jameson thing to do. Get out of here.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love like the scene where they're uh, they're they're stuck between the rotating door. I was like, that that just strikes me as something that that would happen to Peter Parker.
4: hmm Without being yes, without being so. stupid, nuck 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 that Parker was. Yeah, like,
0: I I could see Tobey Maguire having pulled that scene off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about Andrew?
5: Oh God, I hate revolving doors. They terrify me. Oh, we had this horrible
4: revolving door at the uh, c- at Convergence when we were there. It was motorized, but we didn't quite realize it right away. So we would push it, and it would stop. And
5: oh my God, they, they, uh, my sister works at a hotel, and they have one of those like quasi motorized ones, but it's totally just just busted. It so it never works. And it is like the heaviest door, so if it stops working, you're basically trapped in there unless you're like, you know, the Hulk and you can push your way out. Are and you claustrophobic? Got,
0: there, Troy? I got,
5: of course I am. So I got stuck in there. and It was just like you it live was in like, New York. You it have was to like to it was like straight up like Storm from the '90s X-Men cartoon, where I'm just like <laughs> scratching on things, like let me out. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a rotating yeah. door in real life. What? Um, My, so
5: yes, I've revealed I've
2: revealed the secret. My arch nemesis, revolving doors. <laughs> nice. So if you want to trap Delatour, you must find a revolving door that does not work. <laughs> nice.
4: And this episode also has a big moment. It um, begins the alliance between Norman Osborn and the Big Man. Yes. And what I thought was actually a pretty well done, well directed, and in some cases pretty chilling scene because they're talking about human experimentation there. I mean, granted, we know it comes when you think about it. It's just kind of ugh. I
0: love that book <laughs> yeah. that gets Hammerhead into
3: it. Hammerhead turns around and um, Osborne's already unbutting his shirt. He's like, "Dude, what are you doing?" He says, "You said you wanted to come over here to experiment. <laughs> human experimentation. <laughs> human experimentation. Oh." Yeah, yeah, that's totally. Yeah, then, what, that's, and then Emily Osborne walks in. That's totally what board. I meant soon. Yeah, she walks in and she's like, has a whip and like, I'm, I'm ready, Norman. <laughs> abort, Emily, abort. He uh, wants you in experimentation. Aren't we humans abort?
4: Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, Jesse, you were saying?
0: Uh, I, I was just saying that I love that the mention of, of experimentation is what gets Osborne on board. Like, he talks about that and he starts smirking like, that piques his interest. Before he's just like, why would I do this? But he's like, he's such a, a sick little bastard that he, he wants to experiment on people. What
4: are you talking about? Norman Osborne's a very nice man and the perfect father.
3: I, I love that Hammerhead. Here's that whole exchange with him and Harry. <laughs> like, like that this crime boss came over to talk to Norman Osborne. and he's like. He's waiting for this guy, and then he hears his teenage son come in whining about, you know, how the kids at school don't like him. And Hammerhead, you know, to his credit, like, plays it off like, eh, kids will be kids.
2: Yeah. Right.
3: Like, like uh, when I, I love his advice that
2: he gives Harry. You want to be popular, be popular. Yeah, if only we're <laughs> Get out of, out of here, the best That's of the world. worst advice in history. Zach, <laughs> exactly. what are you talking about? I'm being sarcastic. You're parked in a no whining zone.
3: Yeah, that was my favorite. Stop
2: Stop whining. <laughs>
3: But I was going to Tashi station to pick up some power converters.
4: You can waste time with your friends after you pass your calc exam.
3: But I have no friends. <laughs> except for Peter, and he keeps on ditching me. And I think that you like him more than me. Of Do you course, love
5: me, Dad?
4: Of course not.
3: <laughs> now get out
4: of here. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh wow! I don't know why Luke is in such a hurry to get to Toshi Station because if you've seen those deleted, you gotta pick
3: up those power. But well, if you've seen those deleted scenes, they sure are
5: boring as hell. It doesn't seem like he does much when he's actually there.
3: It's a boring planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and the only other girl in the galaxy who's not his sister lives there, so you know. <laughs>
4: yeah, and this is the first mention of Mary Jane Watson, who I briefly mentioned in the recap, and um. It begins a uh, running joke that began with Stan Lee back in the day.
2: She has a wonderful personality.
4: Yeah, Listen. she has a wonderful personality.
0: No, I think every guy's heard that before and just. Dude, and it always has. it
2: it never ends well. It never ever ends well.
0: That cringe on his face is like speak for Ooh. yourself,
2: Zach. Yeah, I know. I mean, I remember when this
4: episode came out and people were like. Well, Peter on this show is such a jerk. If I would want to meet a girl with a wonderful personality, I'm like, oh my god.
2: Shut up, you've never been a teenager. Okay,
3: Gerard
5: I'm not explaining this on a PG-13 podcast. Got out of your f***ing mind. Oh,
3: okay. <laughs> PG, I think that we just got a little above PG-13 with that. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that was part of the joke. I dropped an F-bomb in that exact sentence. this story works in 2008. If you told this story now, it would not work because now like social media was big in 2008. Like that's why I made the MySpace joke. But it's even bigger now that like the whole, I don't know what Mary Jane looks like. So therefore I think she's ugly thing. If this story happened now and like it's 2014 and it's like, you should meet Mary Jane person, you know, Watson, she has a good personality. When he goes over to Harry's house, I'd be like, Oh, well let's look her up. Oh, look, here's some selfies of her on Instagram. She's kind of hot. Oh, here's her Facebook page. And look, here's her blog about her wanting to be an actress. God, Peter, you better meet her before I do it. Yeah,
4: that's that's a classic Stan Lee story you can't tell anymore.
3: Yeah, this is the last time that you could tell it with it making sense. I mean, I'm sure that they'll try and retell it in another setting or whatever, but... Not everyone uses social media, but Mary Jane's
4: the type of person who would use social media. Yeah, she yeah. wants
3: she wants to be an actress, okay, she, and a model. She's going to have selfies of her out there, and I hate that word. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> All right, so... What so. Is, uh, what are, I was going to ask, throw this out there. What is everybody's opinion of Osborn being the, I guess... I, I don't know if this is going to be the status quo going forward, but being, like, the instrument to create villains? He
4: only really creates two of them, or three, but um, it's actually not... He doesn't make he every bill it,
0: it would run the risk of being too convenient for the story. It
4: doesn't, it doesn't. It only happens two, three times at most.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I mean it it it's one of those things. If, you have, if you're in New York and you have this, this company, you know, it's, it's a, a good way to do it if you're going to go that route, but...
5: Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, but they don't
0: go that route. Good, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that.
5: Yeah, that would be really stupid if they suddenly, if like they showed a scene where somebody's walking through the hallway, and like you see a pair of vulture wings and some octopus arms in the background, so that they could just lazily graft those on the characters in
3: later movies. Late. <laughs> I don't know that, that that could be amazing. It could be amazing for Spider-Man too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well done. Yeah.
3: Clap.
0: Or you could just have every scientist who's ever lived work for Osborne. Come on. No, they're not going to do that. I mean, I mean, well,
2: uh, Dr. Kafka I mean, become a man. I mean,
4: Osborne's in this show quite a bit, but it's not like 90s Osborne who's behind everything. He's involved a lot, but so is Doc Ock, so is the big man. I mean, it's a, I think on the show, as we will see, Wiseman struck a pretty good balance.
0: Right. So we want to give grades.
4: All right. Um, Jesse, you're the newbie. You go first.
0: Hmm. I'll say, uh. I'll give it an A. minus, a-. Just because, uh. The, the whole episode as a whole was very solid. Uh, I enjoyed everything about it, but Shocker isn't the most interesting part of it for me. Like, a better villain or a more interesting villain would bring it up to me more.
4: Okay, um, Gerard?
3: Uh, I'd say a B. It was good. It wasn't great. Okay. Josh? I'm gonna give it an A. Um,. I didn't have anything major wrong with it, and I like the feel of it. One thing that I want to mention here as I'm grading that I didn't mention during our random notes is um, the thing, like, the running gag with Peter smelling and, like, him trying to get rid of it throughout the episode and, like, characters commenting on it, and Peter makes a comment. And then even at the end, the tomato juice thing, like, closing it, it was done the right way, and in the hands of a different writer or paced differently, it would have been obnoxious. A lot of times in modern Spider Man stories where they do stuff like this, like, you know, do things to humiliate or demean Spider-Man, um, it comes off too much as trying to emulate the old days without just it's it's hard to articulate what it is I'm trying to say, but they hit they they, it's death. Well, they hit that chord here. The moments happened And Peter didn't, like, look at the reader and, like, shake them or the viewer and say, oh, boy, isn't this weird that this is happening to me? Doesn't this remind you of those essential Spider-Man issues? Um, Naked Spider-Man in the first issue of the reboot comic. I I was literally just thinking of that, yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, that and other stuff. Like, when something happens to Spider-Man here, like him trying to get his shoes back in the first episode, which I haven't seen since it first aired, but I remember that, and like trying to compare how that would have happened in a contemporary comic of the time. It's a, uh, I feel like th- this is, this captures that feel without trying to do it for the sake of doing it like the old days. It's a good modern take of it. Yeah. Dan Slott, Yeah. Dan slot. You're
4: fired. Wiseman. You're hired. Oh God. How I wish.
3: <laughs> uh, after that flash Thompson backup story, I, I really wished cause that was one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. Of yeah. that decade,
2: yeah, uh, it's the Parker luck without beating you over the head with the Parker Lock. It's like, oh darn that Parker luck. You know, it, it, it's subtle. There's subtlety to it. There's not. It's not punching you in the face. Yeah, yeah.
5: There's a fine line between a gag and just straight buffoonery. Mm-hmm. And like, this is not buffoonery. It's just a gag. And we like,
4: and the gags are part of why we like Spidey. But buffoonery, like I said, modern comics take it way too far. They don't know how to balance it. I mean, right. I don't need Spidey kicking ass all the time, being a winner, and having nothing unfortunate ever happen to him. But I mean, balance it. I mean, a good writer does that. And
2: this team is really good. They get it, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I'll give my grade. Go on. Uh, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a B plus for this one. I thought it was good, but not. It's not great yet. I think it's, there's a lot of world building that's still going on, even with this fourth episode, and. It, that's something that I I love about Wiseman is that he there's a slow expanding of the universe each and every episode. There's a little bit here, a little bit there. Now we're in the second arc of the first season, so we're getting a little bit more, getting a little bit more Jameson. You know, we got a lot of the stuff in the pilot, but now it's starting to sort of pay off here. So I, I I'm liking what I'm seeing and I'm liking where it's going. I liked uh you know I like Shocker, but uh, don't love Shocker. So I, I'm going to give it a B plus.
4: Yeah, I'll give it an A also again. I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I mean I'm not giving it an A plus because like I said, I liked Shocker. I liked Shocker a lot, even I didn't love Shocker and um I like the organized crime element. That's always been one of my favorite elements in Spider Man, so I'm glad it's really beginning to I mean it was in the first episode but it's really entering
2: the universe here. I mean Yeah, this this show does a really good job with the gang war that from like the eighties kind of feel. season two, yeah. Especially in season two, but um, I never really saw that like in the '90s show or any other other place. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, King- I, don't, I don't think King-
4: censors King- would let them get away
5: with that. The '90s show. Yeah, I mean
4: King- that's true. I mean, yeah, Kingpin and Silverman kind of
5: threatened each other a lot, but
4: Silverman! and Spider-Man
3: allies. <laughs> do you need, do you need your bottom. Do you want your bottle, Father? No, but this useless body of mine needs it. Oh, how I woo yeah. the day I ever toyed with that tablet of time.
4: We meet remain in Season 2. Get ready for more jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: so
2: yes. more away, but...
3: Spider-Man's weakness is that he cares too much. <laughs>
0: yes. My
2: my favorite thing... Of... my diaper. <laughs> One of my favorite things is that... Spoiler alert! One of the big, big subplots of of Superior Foes of Spider Man is the fact Silvermane's head is like, <laughs> is just his head. There's no body. It's just Silvermane's head, and it's like running around yeah. like a football. Yeah, yeah. And listeners, this is why we both
4: are awesome, and why we suck. We go off topic a lot, but hey, our rapport is amazing. <laughs> yes, it is.
2: <laughs> so, we're gonna wrap this thing up with it, Greg. Yeah.
4: Yes, we will. And um, I like I said, I love the episode, and we'll. Be back soon with um, Greg Wiseman and Jennifer L. Anderson to discuss competition and this crew again to discuss competition. In the meantime, will Zach, can Peter chasing the Shocker
2: lead us out? I think he can. And while I'm getting that prepared, uh, don't forget that Greg Wiseman's book is out now. His, his, his second, second book about. Yes, his second book is out now. So if you haven't picked it up, go ahead and do that now. I mean, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all these various retailers. You can find it online and uh, check it out point. there.
3: Get back here, shocker! shocker! Yes.
5: You can't escape me! I'll chase you to the ends of the
3: earth!
2: All right, with that, we'll see you next time here on Spectacular Radio. (laughs)